This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson here on a Friday morning. Gentlemen, it is the last day of March. No better time to get together to talk about Nebraska spring football. Opening day was yesterday. Some people got to see it. I did not. I'll spare everyone a long rant about MLB TV's blackout policies as it relates to people that live in Lincoln, Nebraska, while watching a game that's currently being played between Seattle and Cleveland, even though other parts of Lincoln were able to watch it just fine. South Lincoln, too close to Seattle, I guess. Anyways. Did you enjoy opening day? You're both one and oh. It could be the highlight of your season, Brooks. Yeah, it's uh the sun shined a little brighter on my face today. Um, the birds chirped a little bit louder. Uh it's it's good to be in first place for uh the next what 12 hours, probably. Were your children just absolutely floored when you told them about the heroics of Aledmus Diaz this morning over breakfast? Well, they they generally expect those kinds of heroics from from young Mr. Diaz, so th- there wasn't a ton of surprise there. They were they were just happy that uh, the, the, I shouldn't say they felt bad for Shohei Otani. That's that's generally the takeaway. I I believe I have this correct. I could be off. I think the A's won two to one, right? Yes. And the Twins won two to nothing. That's right. <clears throat> and the Guardians scored zero runs. There's three of us, three teams. Four runs combined. Welcome back, Major League Baseball. These offenses are humming. All right. We'll talk some more baseball at the end of the podcast, but it'll be Nebraska-related, uh, and we'll see what's going on. Brunts just had media availability with Will Bolt and company over there, so we'll dive into that at the end of the podcast. We're going right to spring football. And uh, real quickly, anything that you guys didn't get a touch on in your three-minute drill yesterday that you would like to to get before we get to the very important topics that I have written down. I don't think we did we touch on AJ Rollins Brunt? I don't uh, know. On Tuesday. Just okay. or well the Tuesday Wednesday stuff, yeah. He he's been like the most interesting thing this week to me. I know you have a different question, but th- this week like that has uh that's really jumped out at me his move to the defensive line and how like you can just tell the coaches really feel like there's something there. So that's exciting. Cause I've always, I think there's always been an intrigue. Like, well, you know, you hoped AJ wasn't one of those guys who just sort of gets lost beneath everything. And, and there's, there's signs that he's uh, poking through at a new pos- position. I like that. What, uh, what does this defensive line picture look like right now, Brian? Like who we, we know Ty Robinson's out yeah. for the spring. Right. Uh, they're rotating some different pieces in and out. 
Like what what exactly does the defensive line look like this spring, kind of as fans get geared up towards the April 22nd spring game? I think from the outside looking in, it's thin. But uh, Terrence Knighton was painting the positive picture of it that he's getting a very good look at some of these guys you would hope could develop and give you some depth pieces like a Ruquan Buckley. This is a huge spring for a guy like him and uh, he's getting a ton of opportunities. It seems like Nash Hutmacher is a name that sort of popped out, you know, the first couple of weeks on that D line, he's stepping into more of that leadership role. He's always had the strength where he could lift a house. We know that about him, but it feels like they're really working on, he's cutting some weight and maybe proving that he has some athleticism to, you know, move laterally and do all the other stuff too. Um, and really function well as a versatile piece in this defense. So it sounds like these coaches see something in Nash where he can take it up another level. Beyond that, you're talking about, you know, like guys like Cameron Len- Lenhard and Prince Will and these these guys who sort of looked apart. Elijah and, Judy. Yeah, Elijah Judy. They like Elijah Judy because he uh, can do everything they ask on the D-line. He can play any technique they, they want. The thing to remember about Elijah is as – highly touted as, as he was as a recruit, he did not play hardly at all Texas A&M defensive snaps wise. So he's still sort of a rook when you, when you actually think about it from a playing standpoint. So, but there, there's a lot of potential there. And uh, I think Judy is one of those sort of like important pieces. Like you'd love that guy in fall camp to be here and like, he's in the mix to be as part of the six man rotation or whatever it is. And if, if you hear that, that's probably a good sign. Do you okay? So we're not quite halfway through the spring, but we're getting closer to it. Do you feel better about the defensive line picture than you did before the spring started? I know when you and I had a podcast, probably mid March, we both sort of were a little bit apprehensive of how it looks up front because it did seem very thin. Now you have AJ Rollins, you're hearing more about Ruquan Buckley. You already knew that Elijah Judy was going to be in the mix. It seems like they like Nash Hotmacher. There's some more depth beyond that. Ty Robertson will be back in the fall. Right now, Brian, how would you characterize your feeling on the defensive line? Slightly better, better, a lot better, not better. You hate it. Slightly better, uh, but just slightly better. And and, and really, it's hazy to me right now because with all the pieces, it's hard to know exactly where they're putting them. I mean, some of these guys who are linebackers, um, are also edge defenders who sort of factor into the defensive line. And, you know, like MJ Sherman is that type of player and like a chief borders could be that type of guy. So um, I think they're just experimenting a lot right now. And so it's way too early to, to come out with some strong take. Like the other day, Prince will was playing middle linebacker, Terrence Knighton said, and, and made some plays there. So um, he's a guy who can move around too. So um at this point, it's hard to know exactly who's where. And because of that, um, you know, I, I think it's it's dangerous to say like, oh, they're they're better than we thought or worse than we thought. It's just you're hoping that some of these names you keep hearing are developing at a steady pace by the time you get to the fall where they trust them. Because as Bruns pointed out uh, on one of our pods the other day, big comment from rule. He wants to play like 20 guys on defense. He wants this to be a defense where there's a lot of rotating parts and a lot of people involved. So it's going to be key that some of these guys come along if you're going to do that. All right, Brunch, anything left over that you want to get to? Um, Not really. Um, 
I was trying to think. MJ Sherman talked yesterday. Um, I thought that was illuminating. He's probably the best interview I think that they've had over there this spring. Um, and I, I don't think that that's hyperbole. Um, after he talked, you, you kind of think about it, and you know they added some transfers from Georgia. They they added a transfer from Florida. Um, and I think that there's there's value in bringing in guys from programs like Georgia, where you know the, the, those those guys have have had to compete for spots on the depth chart with NFL players and like first round picks. And there's a certain standard I think at Georgia that has allowed them to get to where they are right now as kind of the the you know they're the bar in, in college football. And, you know, I, I think guys like MJ Sherman coming in, Eric Gilbert can can kind of bring that to Nebraska, a little bit of maturity, um, you know, guys that are maybe looking for another opportunity, a little more playing time. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that that should be overlooked this this spring. I mean, I, as you're Matt Rule and you're trying to establish whatever culture you are, I think it helps when you have really experienced guys who are very talented but we're, I mean, frankly, just beaten out by guys who are more talented, um, you know, on a pretty good team. So I, I think he's going to be a guy to watch. I think that that Jack position that they're calling, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of a creative name than the Jack, but um, that that's going to be interesting to see who kind of emerges there with MJ Sherman and um, Jamari Butler uh Jevin, Jevin writes there too so that they've got uh options for that very unique position in the 335 what would you have named the uh the outside linebacker position though i don't know what like the sandman because his job is to put people to sleep you need you need something you need something one syllable though like because south carolina had the spur for a long time the they spur had, the, yeah you could do that the the jack um the, I, I think there was San Diego State had a unique name for it that was like tied to the mascot. I forget what it was, but um, getting that position right, I think, is is really <laughs> important for how this defense kind of forms in year one. Yeah, I mean, I like robber, monster, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like we, you hear that a lot. Yeah. How do you feel about the peso back in the Pelini era? <laughs> That's not a position. It's a position grouping. They, <laughs> okay, they were, okay. I they see. Were, they were always quick to point out. I'm um, sorry. It's not a position. It's a grouping. I gotcha. So my favorite thing from the Pelini era was the diamond formation and what yeah. to call that and, and why it wasn't used enough. They should have run the crap out of that. And uh, I mean, they, they probably would have, they probably would have uh, easily beaten Wisconsin in the big 10 championship game that year. If they just did a little, a little more diamond, just a little we- more Diamond Dallas Page. We could do a whole podcast in May on the diamond formation, and I think it would get some <laughs> listeners. <laughs> you go back and get Braylon Hurd, Aaron Green, and Amir Abdullah. Like, yeah. just make it happen. Going back and watching Rick's the birthday. Quincy and Nuno touchdown, like, yeah. came off of that that diamond formation. Like it was, and Aaron uh, Green, Aaron Green was down the sideline, like throw it to me, and <laughs> yeah. And then transferred out after that year, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, because of that one pass. (laughs) Yeah, it was that play. That pass. (laughs) Well, think you know. Maybe, maybe I'm writing. (laughs) And where are they now? Aaron Green story. You know. 
but instead, I'm not. All right, let's, uh, all right, I, I promised I had some questions. We're going to do one now. We'll take a break, then we'll do the next. We'll go to Brunts to start with. What is the most interesting thing you've learned this spring? It can be about Matt Rule, the operation over there, something about a position group, something about whatever. But the most interesting thing that you feel like you've learned this spring is blank. You even prompted me with this question before we started recording, and I still am struggling to come up with an answer. Yeah, Um, we cheated this time. You know, normally I, this is a very improvisational show, but yeah, uh, I did give some some hints before the start. Yeah, it's usually whose line is it anyways over here. Um, I think I I think that some of the position groups that I I was initially concerned about going into the spring, perhaps my concern was a little unfounded. Um, I think the tight end group, which was towards the top of my list of concerns, um, if if you're moving AJ Rollins over to defense and I mean, they obviously feel like he's got something going there. Um, you feel okay about what you've got at tight end. Plus you added in Bonner, you added in um, Applegate in that group. I, I'm, I'm at least moderately intrigued by what they can do. I, they're, they're no longer towards the top of my list of concerns. The other thing that I learned that uh, was a quick aside from Matt rule really likes the running back group. Um, again, we've, we've talked about that. They didn't go into the portal to find somebody. They didn't even really sniff around much on running backs. And I think they like, I think they like that group anyways. I think they like that group even more, you know, when when you add in, you know, Anthony Grant and they have like a, a nice diversity of styles of backs right now that is going to allow them to mix and match to play you know, different um, different schemes, things like that. I mean, you, you've got Ramir Johnson that can run between the tackles. He's also a speed guy. I think Gabe Irvin's kind of the thumper. Um, you know, Anthony Grant, I think, you know, can kind of do a little bit of both. But um, I think they I think they really like that group. Matt Rule even said the other day, he goes, I don't know what the other Big Ten running back groups look like, but, you know, I, I think ours looks pretty darn good or something like that. So, um that 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 was uh, interesting to me as well. Was that they uh, they feel really good about that group and it's uh, you know that running back room at, at Nebraska has not been particularly good or at least productive for more than a few years now. So that that was noteworthy to me. Yeah, I think for me and and I'll keep it pretty simple. It's just been interesting to to note how in previous situations, if a guy was hurt, if a guy was unavailable. He just probably either wouldn't be around or he'd be in street clothes on the sidelines, just kind of standing there or whatever. It's been that that kind of far corner, you know, at practice where you have those guys in the yellow jerseys going through stuff and just doing some different things. You had, you know, Teddy Prohaska out there working in a different color jersey to signal what he was going to be able to do physically. Like, it just feels like they're trying to get more out of it than have some guys ride some bikes on the sidelines and take mental reps while watching practice. And so... Um, that kind of stood out to me and, you know, other staffs have probably done something similar, but it seems more noticeable and more intentional uh, with, with this group. And so I found that kind of interesting because there's, there's some really interesting people that are limited this spring that have question marks about them or expected to take on larger roles that 
they need to get whatever they can mentally out of this, but also make sure that they're sharp physically. And so I've, I found that particularly interesting. All right, BC, did we give you enough time? Yeah, plenty of time. Brunt's sort of uh, took what was going to be my answer. I'll play off he it does a little that. bit uh, with the running backs. And I know maybe we have a question set up for specific guys, but I think he – Sure do. I know. I'm going to say this, though, just because I think he's like a topic like in himself is Gabe Irvin. I just really like that. To me, if you say like who of the first two weeks has like, OK, that sort of changed the whole conversation at that position and the narrative around it. It's to talk about Gabe Irvin and what you think of the running back room because of that. Um, so um, that I it just feels like he, I have to start there because. Uh, the way rule talks about him and just like his skill set and what he can be in this offense, he just fits their eye. It seems like, and that's been very noticeable just in the comments in the first couple of weeks. But um, after I ruin the next question that you're going to ask later, I'll, I'll go to a probably a better answer for this question. That's the detail that I think you see uh, rule put into every little piece around um, spring practices, even I think like, you know, media and like who goes up there and we, we, we don't, we, I mean, we're getting guys who aren't necessarily going to be starters like Harburg is up front. Um, but he's a guy who's worked hard and he's deserved the opportunity uh, in rules eyes to, to talk and stuff like that. And I just think everything has a very, um, intentional way about it. And I don't think coaches would mind me putting it that way because I've heard them use it. It's, it, it's very intentional how everything is done and it's not just the stuff on the practice field. It's all the fringe stuff. And, and I think uh, Husker fans probably are comforted a bit to realize that's happening because I think it's a, a fan base that believes the details probably went missing the last five years when you start to look under the cover and uh, what went wrong. All right, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will dive into individual players that have stood out to us this spring. So when we pause here for a second, gentlemen, get your thoughts, collect them, and then it's go time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, go time. Here we, here it is. BC, we're going to go reverse order. What do you got for us? Player that has stood out that's not Gabe Irvin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bonner, Janir and Bonner, just the fact that uh, they moved him from receiver to sort of that hybrid tight end spot. And, you know, we're just going off early reviews five practices in, but 
they like it. And Bonner seems to have liked it. We haven't talked to him specifically, but the coaches have said he really seems to be taking to it. Uh, he's, he's put his face in the middle of it when they've asked him to hit and contact and all that stuff that's required of a tight end. So I just think they see a versatile piece there that can be used a lot of different ways. What that means for the season right in front of us in 23, I don't know, but it's, I think going to be fun to watch Bonner develop and how they're going to use him over the years to come. Um, and he's a guy that frankly going into spring, you would have wondered like, where's his situation with this staff, you know, and now we're not saying that we're, we're kind of excited about what that might look like. Before we, we move off to another player, just a tight end group specifically. I mean, I think everyone sort of mentioned it or talked around it. Uh, do you, do you BC think that part of the, the sort of usage, uh, the doing the different things there is to make up for the lack of wide receivers that they have to, to try to create effective passing game in other ways. I'm not, I don't know for sure. I, I just think Marcus Satterfield, if you kind of look at his recent history, especially at South Carolina, um, he sees that that body build of like those tight ends, you can use them in so many ways. And he doesn't mind you saying this is a positionless offense. He has said it himself a few times. And so I think you're going to see more and more of these guys who we want to label a certain way. Are they a receiver? Are they a tight end? They're going to be both those things. They might even be a tailback at some point. And he had some injuries that he had to deal with Satterfield. That is last year at South Carolina. And one way they worked around it and had a lot of effectiveness near the end of the season is season is they really involve multiple tight ends in various ways. Like, you know, one guy who's maybe undersized is out here as more of like your slot guy who's a matchup problem in the receiving game. Another guy you could put as like a fullback type. Another is more of a traditional tight end. And when Satterfield did his spring access with us, it just it really stuck out to me how much he like loves the possibilities of that position or whatever you want to call it, that label in the offense and how they can uh, maybe tweak it with some of the guys they have. Absolutely. I am going to say a name of someone that I was high on last year that had one really, really bad play against Northwestern and largely was not seen for most of last season. And that's Omar Brown. I thought that Omar Brown was someone that was going to be able to come in and make the jump from FCS to FBS, help Nebraska out pretty quickly in some way in the secondary. And it just did not click for him last year with Travis Fisher, with Nebraska's defense. He just wasn't able to process and be in the right position. And now this is a guy that we heard, you know, from the, the coaching staff, Tony White's mentioned him. He was up there speaking yesterday. And here's how you know that Omar Brown kind of got lost last year. Multiple media members weren't sure who it was if they weren't there when he was introduced. Because this is a guy that, you know, we didn't see a lot of. He didn't play much. He didn't talk much. And he's got a new lease, uh, you know, a, a new outlook on life, really, with a, uh, uh, a new staff. And so I am I'm very curious what you can get out of someone that was one of the best FCS defensive backs during his three-year run at Northern Iowa. And so I don't think his... I don't think his story's finished yet, and I, I'm very curious what the ending could be uh, for Omar Brown. So he stood out, just kind of the reaction to him, and then having him up there talking yesterday, I thought was pretty interesting as well. Brunt, finish up with you. Who do you got? Yeah, a couple guys that have caught my eye most. Um, I feel like we talk about Titans a lot. I, Eric Gilbert just looks like a different level of athlete out there. Um you know, I think his 
his presence, your your eye just kind of naturally goes there because it's like, who is this massive human being uh, playing tight end and 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 looking very athletic doing so? Um, if everything you know trends well for him off the field, I think you know he he's got the skills to help Nebraska immediately. The other guy that uh, we really haven't talked a lot about the wide receiver spot at all um, was Xavier Betts basically took a year off of football and doesn't look like he did at all. Um, you know, physically he looks like the same guy that, you know, last spring everybody was hoping was going to take that next step uh, as a wide receiver and, and, you know, really, you know, kind of play at a high level. And, you know, I, I, he looks a little bit different to the other guys in that room. It's a little bit of a shorter stature group right now um, in, in that wide receiver room. And I think that, you know, Betts has the skill set and the just raw athleticism with a strong summer to be right back in the mix like he never, um, you know, left left off. I mean, Nebraska is going to be looking for some kind of a deep threat. And we started to see the last season that he played that he could be that kind of home run threat. So um, I was curious to see how he was going to come back and to my eye, my very, very, very amateur eye, he looks just the same as he did, uh, you know, last spring when he took a step away from the team. All right. Anything else you guys want to mention about spring football here before we transition over to baseball to wrap up this podcast here on a Friday? Uh, just uh, availability tomorrow. They're going to, they're going to, going to be doing some scrimmaging on Saturday. Matt Rule will talk afterwards, so we'll have all that on the site. Right right around noon, I think, is when he goes, so shortly shortly thereafter. Okay, so let's let's make a prediction on this. Is the offense or the defense going to be the one that is quoted as being ahead of the other unit at this time right now? Can I say it? happens every year. You get the, you know, at some point there's going to be that quote where, yeah, the defense is just ahead right now because the offense obviously struggles or the offense is rolling and, you know, the defense just has to catch up a little bit. Which which side do you think is going to have essentially the better half of this scrimmage? With knowing absolutely nothing about it. What gets said, I think, will be uh, my prediction is neutral. I think they'll go Switzerland on it. Oh, wow. Everybody, everybody just had a good time. That's yeah. what I think they're going to say. That's Brunch's dream, that everyone just has a good time, that there's <laughs> no winners, that you know, no one outdoes anyone. Everyone's just at their apex. Yep. Yep. Yep, that's that's why I think everybody's just going to have a great time moving around well out there. <clears throat> Do you think someone's going to be ahead? I think that there's just going to be a bunch of talk about how fast the three-three-five defense looks and how confused the offense could get at different times with it. and we're going to hear that the defense is ahead of the offense, that kind of thing. That's going to be, I I feel like that'll end up being the insinuation uh, because I think the offense probably takes a little bit more time to install. And frankly, I don't know who they have to throw to, Uh, you know, I, I'm very curious by Xavier Betts, just to go back to to Brunts and, and what he was talking about there. I remain very dubious that he is going to pick up an entirely new offense in a short amount of time and be effective when he struggled with picking up Nebraska's previous offense and it limited him to gadget plays, but uh, that doesn't mean he can't be effective in other ways. I just, I remain somewhat doubtful. 
And they just, how many scholarship wide receivers are even here this spring? <clears throat> Six? Seven? Uh, Washington, Kemp, Betts. Um, who else? <clears throat> Hardy. Jones, Victor, Jr. Victor Jones, Jr. Garcia Castaneda. Garcia Castaneda. Six. Yeah, I here's the thing about the 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 learning the offense. I I wonder my sense is, is that Matt Rule is pretty attuned to how things are taught. And I I my sense is, is that perhaps he would be more creative when it comes to meeting a player where they are with learning the offense. Is that fair to say? I have no reason to doubt it or to to did you say flakes? Did you say flakes too? Fleeks, Fleeks is there, yeah. I think have we he, heard much about flakes. I think I think uh I think he's gonna have a say in things. Yeah. Um I don't know. I just I I think he's a guy who he's sort of the perfect we always, always say bridge player, but into the future because he he's just I mean, he knows he's the same age as Garrett McGuire, basically, and has been around him for so many years. And I, I just think he's a guy who can help sort of like here's the who was the who was that safety or was it Trey Neal early in the frost era? Oh, yeah. Future uh, dentist Trey Neal. Yeah. Yeah. Did he that happen? Is that what happened? I don't know. I don't know if he's you know, I I know that Travell Dixon became a firefighter. It's unclear to me if Trey Neal's on his way to be a dentist. Well, I I hope he got what he was going for because he was a a nice guy to deal with. But uh, Trey Neal, maybe a little bit of that with Fleeks, I don't know, on the other side of the ball, you know, sort of that guy who can help transition you into the future and this is how you do it sort of thing. Yeah. All right, Bruns, baseball. What do we need to know? Nebraska won a midweek game. They had a good pitching performance. That's That's all I can tell the listeners myself. Uh, yeah, Will Walsh is uh, quickly becoming the story of the middle part of the season. Um, guy that had only thrown one inning was his longest outing as a pitcher at Nebraska. Throws six innings of relief against Creighton last or two Tuesdays ago. Comes out and throws seven innings as a starter on Tuesday against North Dakota State. And all of a sudden, he looks like a potential Sunday guy um, out of nowhere. And it's I don't know that this that they've decided how they're going to approach things. I mean, I, I think they might set it up. Will Bolt even said this today that they might set it up to basically go all out to win on Friday and Saturday, and then try to piece Sunday together. Maybe they do Walsh on Sunday as the starter. Um, they, they at least are starting to get options. They feel like they've got because the the bullpen was the big question mark um, for a while, and. Buns is starting to look like the old Buns. Um, you know, they, they feel like they've got eight to 10 pitchers that they could rely on on a weekend if they need to. So how that comes together remains to be seen. This weekend is kind of the the stupid Big Ten bye week in the middle of the season where you have to try to convince somebody to come and play you um, when you're not lined up conference schedule-wise. So they're actually going to Abilene, Texas today, uh, playing a doubleheader on Saturday, one against Abilene Christian, one against Texas Corpus Christi, and flying back on Sunday. So two games this weekend. And then they're in the midst of like an 11-game or 11-day road trip where they go 
to Texas, they come back to Lincoln, then they go to Manhattan, then they come back to Lincoln, then they, they play three at Michigan next weekend, and then they're back in the state. So the offense is humming. The pitching is uh, Kaminska and Olsen have been great. It's just who, who can they get to kind of fill in around them is, is the, uh, the question du jour. Have you taken a peek at the Big Ten at all? Do we know what the, the conference kind of looks like? Is this Michigan series a big one coming up? It's a big one. Uh, all of Nebraska's conference road series, for the most part, are against teams that are in the what you would consider the upper half of the league. And the teams that are coming into Lincoln are very, very much not the uh, top of the league. So uh, they go to Michigan. They still have Maryland on the road. And Iowa, who is looking like probably the best team in the league right now. They also, they go there. I think it's the weekend of the spring game. So um, that'll actually be a really big series for them, but they, Nebraska needs help in the RPI. Um, they're, they're lower than hundred. I think they were in the one twenties the last time I checked and there's just not a ton of opportunity except for those road series to, to add up um some wins i mean you just, you just basically got to win games at this point um and and <clears throat> to, the key to that is when you have the opportunity to sweep win it on sundays i mean that that was the disappointing thing in that illinois series was you basically take it to a team for two straight days and then you know you can barely get into the third inning with your starting pitcher on sunday so they got to get that figured out are they considering tryouts for their sunday starter do i need to get the arm warmed up yeah, you might uh, you might want to see if you got any hot sauce left in that chicken wing. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's uh, probably Will Walsh, but I don't know. They 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 need to figure that out. They don't they don't have to make the decision this weekend. So there, there's at least that. All right, for Michael Brunt and Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Shaver. You've been listening to Husker 24 seven podcast. Be sure to check out Husker 247.com. Plenty of content throughout the weekend. Matt Rule speaking. Uh, on Saturday, we will hear uh, how this scrimmage or alleged scrimmage or skirmish, whatever we want to call it, how that shakes out, what we find out from that. There'll be recruiting content as well. Nebraska has more visitors uh, expected over the next coming days, including a four-star out of Minnesota. You can learn more about that at Husker247.com. We'll be back next week with some more Husker 24-7 podcast content. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo. And they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.